Before we get started today, I'd like to talk about our new Buy Me A Coffee memberships. Now, when you subscribe monthly for the price of one to five coffees, you also get exclusive benefits like special newsletters, behind the scenes content, the ability to ask questions directly to us, as well as a special shout out here on our podcast. And today I want to thank our first members on Buy Me A Coffee, Anderson da Silva, Kat Kramer and Fra. Thank you all very, very much. You too should join them and support independent journalism. Head to Buy Me A Coffee and subscribe. And starting next week, you can hear your name on Explaining Brazil. If you cannot support us on a monthly basis, you can still tip us a coffee to give us the energy we need to cover a country as complex as Brazil and a region as complex as Latin America. Head to buymeacoffee.com slash Brazilian Report to find out more. knew it was coming. With international economic uncertainties and the war in Ukraine, international oil prices had reached a decade high earlier in March. Multi-year high today as the conflict turns uglier in Ukraine and as OPEC holds steady on output. Still, Brazil's state-controlled oil and gas firm Petrobras refused to raise its own prices. In fact, the company went off for over 50 days without altering its rates for fuel sold in refineries. But when Petrobras did eventually raise its prices, it came as a sucker punch for Brazilian citizens. A Petrobras fez hoje um reajuste pesado no preço da gasolina, do diesel e do gás de cozinha. On March 10th, it announced hikes of 18.7% for gasoline, 24.9% for diesel and 16% for LPG most commonly used in Brazil as kitchen gas. Now, Petrobras holds a de facto monopoly over oil refining in Brazil, so any change in its prices has a ripple effect on the entire domestic oil market. And for a country as dependent on road transportation as Brazil, a change in fuel prices impacts the entire economy. My name is Gustavo Ribeiro. I'm the editor-in-chief of the Brazilian Report. This is Explaining Brazil. After Petrobras announced its price hikes, Brazilian drivers flocked to gas stations to fill up their tanks before the raises would reach the pump. Some in the south of the country even crossed the border into Argentina to look for cheaper prices. Longas filas se formaram na entrada do país vizinho e nos postos de combustíveis. E alguns motoristas chegaram a esperar até quatro horas para conseguir abastecer. To make matters worse, the IPCA Consumer Price Index for February came in above market expectations, keeping the stubbornly high 12-month inflation in Brazil above the 10% mark for six straight months. To discuss Brazil's relentless inflation and the strategies to contain it, this week we welcome Luciano Sobral, chief economist at Neo Investimentos and a columnist for the Brazilian Report. Luciano, thanks for joining us. Thanks for inviting me. Now, Luciano, the problem of inflation is not just Brazil's. In the U.S., the Biden administration is losing popularity because of a generational inflation rate, which in February hit uh, 7.9%. I mean, for Brazilians, that's not a generational high, but still for, for the U.S., yes, it is. And Europe is also seeing prices soar, especially regarding electricity bills. 
but not all inflation is bored equal, right? So my question is to start our conversation, what is driving prices up here in Brazil and how is it different from what Europe and the US are experiencing? Well, one of the problems with inflation in Brazil is that prices are going up across the board. So it's not only uh, electricity prices or oil prices or food prices. If you look at the composition of this latest release of uh, of IPC, IPCA, uh, you see that most of the, the prices are uh, rising and rising at a very uncomfortable rate. So industrial goods are rising at more than 1% a month. Services are uh, also start rising. Of course, a few prices will go up next month following this adjustment by Petrobras. So inflation in Brazil is both high and pretty uh, diffuse, to use a term that we uh, like to resort to in, in, in economy. And I mean, are we in that point of inertial inflation, which means that like, the fact that inflation is going up is also causing more inflation? Yes. In part, what we are seeing this year is a, is a reflex of what happened last year. So last year we had pretty high inflation. There's still a lot of indexation in Brazil. So uh, rent prices are indexed, the minimum wage is indexed, and every other contract uh, is Uh, somehow related to past inflation. So yes, partly is what we used to call uh, inertia, but not only that, uh, part of the normalization that we're expecting, uh, especially in industrial prices this year, is taking much longer than uh, we expected. That was the case even before the war. And now with the war and with more disruption in supply chains around the world, uh, this is uh, even more true. So it's uh, part inertia, but part also some aftershock of the pandemic, so to speak. Going back to Petrobras, we have seen members of the government and in Congress criticizing the move by the Brazilian oil and gas giant. There was even talk of President Jair Bolsonaro forcing CEO Joaquim Silvio Luna out of the company and picking someone else to replace him. And in Congress, we saw the Senate passing bills to create a fuel price stabilization fund and an aid program for poor people to purchase gas. Meanwhile, Bolsonaro has talked about lifting federal taxes on fuels. So, I mean, The blanket clearly is not big enough to use an analogy we like in Brazil. And something is going to be left uncovered. Uh, how do you see the government's reaction to the hike in fuel prices? And what can the government do in the short term? Well, this is not only uh, happening in Brazil. You see many countries already putting in place subsidies uh, or considering subsidies. So this new round of uh, higher energy prices is a problem for virtually every government in the world. In the case of Brazil, I think interfering directly with the Petrobras pricing policy is probably the worst option, not only because uh, Petrobras doesn't have that much autonomy to set fuel prices without going against their own, so to speak, uh, rules set by the, the board, but also because that would create a wave of pessimism among investors, assuming that this government is uh, willing to cross the line of interfering in state-owned companies, something not very different to what President Dilma did. Given the temporary subsidy may be the best option there uh, because you can put a size and a duration uh, on the subsidy and you can very well explain to people that you are using part of the extra revenues that uh, oil, high oil prices are generating to subsidize fuel. So uh, among all the options that's being circulated in the press, perhaps setting a temporary subsidy uh, is the less worse uh, of all of them. 
And for instance, the economy ministry is talking about raising payments of the Auxilio Brasil cash transfer program, which currently pays out 400 reais a month or one third of the Brazilian minimum wage. So do you think that too could be a, a, a good policy because it can be just temporary or that could actually fuel inflation even further? Because in the US, there is a debate that uh, stimulus is one of the key inflation drivers. Do you see that that could happen in Brazil too? I think that is not a terrible option, especially uh, thinking about distributive matters. You would be giving money to people that are more in need and more affected by this raise, not uh, not especially affected by the raise in fuel prices, because these people usually don't have a car, they don't drive, they use public transportation that is already being subsidized. But uh, we are seeing uh, food inflation rising once again, and that could be a good policy to uh, attenuate this Uh, effects on the on this uh, people's consumption regarding the question that this may cause uh, more inflation it all depends on on the size of the transfers i think uh, an additional uh, transfer uh, of the values that are popping up in the press uh, that won't uh, matter much for inflation what caused inflation in 2010-2021 uh, was a much larger payment made to a much broader base than the auxilio emergencial so this time around i think it would uh, solve a problem uh, in the sense that would give these people more with what to buy uh, food, basically, and would mm -hmm. not cause inflation. The problem there is that, uh, in theory, you cannot create this kind of temporary payment during an election year for a good reason, because then the government could use uh, this card as a, as a way to tell the electors that they are doing more for them and asking them to vote. So uh, I think this is quite complicated to, to operationalize, to sell this idea to the budget watchdogs that are still doing some job in Brazil. And I mean, the government, a few years ago, plan to sell off Petrobras's refineries in order to end its de facto monopoly over oil refining and claiming that that would uh, uh, make the market more competitive and drive oil prices down. I mean, is the market conducive to privatizing these refineries at the moment with the current economic climate? Well, this is a very interesting question. Actually, the refiner, refinery, one of one big refinery has been privatized. The Petrobras sold a refinery in Bahia to Mubadala, which is one of the, the sovereign funds of the United Arab Emirates. And that's part of the reason why it's so complicated to keep domestic fuel prices below international prices. Petrobras doesn't have enough capacity to refine uh, oil to fulfill the demand in Brazil. So they need, actually, the market needs the oil derivative that come from this uh, private refinery. And other than that, probably Brazil would still need uh, to import refined fuels. So with that market configuration, uh, should Petrobras not follow international prices, uh, it wouldn't be attractive for uh, other players to refine or import fuel. And we would be at risk of not having enough fuel to sell in the market. So uh The, trying to wrap up the question, the part of the reason that Petrobras uh, has been forced to raise fuel prices is that uh, they don't have a monopoly on uh, on refineries and they don't have enough capacity to supply the whole market. If they had, they could simply internalize the, the subsidy, damage the shareholders, but keep selling fuel at uh, cheaper prices. But as the market is now structured, they don't have much options uh, if they don't want to uh, trigger a crisis in the supply of uh, fuel to the consumers. And Brazil has experienced 
the world's sharpest monetary tightening policy over the past year. And the central bank is expected to raise interest rates again this week. Since March of last year, interest rates climbed from 2% to almost 11% as a way to cool off the economy and tame inflation. But that has not worked as planned. Why not? Well, I think first you have to consider that any uh, central bank faces some lengthy lags in implementation of monetary policy. Usually, as a rule of thumb, we say that what is done today in monetary policy will have effect in the economy at, at least or at best uh, in, in six months. So much of the tightening that has been done since last year still didn't hit the economy. Other than that, it's complicated to talk about a, a counterfactual world in which uh, interest rates would still be at 2%. Probably we are seeing already some effect of the tightening in the economy. Uh, to take one example, uh, sales of durable goods collapsed, and not only because durable goods are much more expensive than they were uh, a year ago, but also because credit became a lot more expensive and people cannot afford anymore the types of goods that they could buy under a, a loser uh, monetary policy. So probably we are seeing some, we are seeing some effect of the monetary policy. We'll see more of that in the next uh, few months, but that is not enough to counterbalance all those other shocks that are affecting the economy. So you have to be uh, pretty patient if you want to see Uh, the effects of monetary policy. And at the same time, the central bank uh, is in a complicated position in which if they really wanted to cause the inflation to go down uh, fastly, they would have to trigger a massive recession in the country and they don't want to go there. Even if they are much more concerned about inflation than with economic activity, they still have a, a dual mandate. So uh, I don't think that uh, uh, an additional uh, shock in monetary policy would be the best response. They have to be patient. They have to uh, wait for those uh, shocks to phase out and trust that uh, this process of convergence of inflation to the target will take a little longer than they expected when they began the cycle. Yeah, I mean, some people are even pointing to the fact that uh, oil prices have sharply fallen uh, these past few days to advocate against a steep interest hike. What do you think would be a, a reasonable hike this week for uh, the Selic benchmark interest rate in Brazil? I I think the oil prices would matter more for the fine-tuning. Uh, I think it's a given that they will uh, hike uh, at least uh, a full percentage point tomorrow. And uh, yesterday, it seemed more likely that they would hike a little bit more, perhaps a, a point and a quarter. But after, as you mentioned, uh, oil prices collapse, we are now seeing uh, Brent crude trading a little bit above $100. That may uh, settle the matter towards a, a full percentage point. But that's That's the kind of variance that we could expect between 100 basis points hike and 125 basis points hike. I don't think the other possibilities are, are likely. And I mean, this inflationary process that we are experiencing has lasted for longer than most economies in the world expected, and yourself included, if I remember one of your columns yeah, yeah, for us. Yeah, for sure. So what are the long-term consequences for the economy of these uh, extended inflationary processes? Because, I mean, we are in a sort of perfect storm. Uh, higher interest rates limit access to credit, therefore it suffocates investment. And meanwhile, salaries are stagnant. And I mean, it's the only thing that is not going up in Brazil. Prices are rising fast, but salaries are going, like entry-level salaries are going down in Brazil. I mean, what do you see in the long term in terms of how the economy will will be? Well, Brazilians are 
pretty much used to inflation. And uh, throughout the years, uh, the country developed many mechanisms to deal with inflation. And one of them is indexation. So uh, you cannot talk about prices in Brazil without thinking that there are still many contracts linked to past inflation. Even the minimum wage uh, is linked to the past inflation. So in that sense, the more it takes for uh, the country to, uh, to uh, reduce inflation, the more are, the higher are the odds uh, the disinflation will keep higher in the future. As you mentioned, uh, part of the economy is not protected by, uh, not protected from inflation. So indeed, the more inflation lasts, the more damage it causes to to purchasing power. Uh, but uh, it's not a, it's not new in Brazil. It's very different from the US, where uh, everything is nominal and there's no rule uh, towards just salaries, and people take uh, this heat from inflation much more directly uh, in their uh, purchasing power. In Brazil, uh, people suffer a little bit less with that, but it's still a problem. As, as you mentioned, uh, uh, with inflation uh, so much time above uh, the target, the central bank will probably have to continue uh, with very high inflation rates for more time. This makes uh, makes it more difficult for investment. This makes it more difficult uh, for the government to finance itself. So it's, uh, of course, pretty desirable uh, to have lower inflation. But uh, producing uh, lower inflation already also has uh, its cost, and that's the kind of cost that the central bank is uh, weighing in now. We are already with a pretty high uh, interest rate, so in real terms, we are back at seven, uh, more than seven percent, which is uh, the level of real rates that we saw at the end of the the Dilma government. So now it's more uh, a matter of waiting. I know that's unnerving to uh, watch inflation uh, so high and so persistent, uh, but I think there's. Pretty little that the central bank can do right now, given uh, what they already did, without damaging further the growth prospects of the economy. So it's uh, you are in the in the middle of a storm, and you better take shelter and wait for the storm to go uh, for you to take another decision. I don't think that there's uh, anything that central bank could do uh, in the short term that would uh, improve the the inflation outlook. Now we are talking about the war. COVID, all these risk factors. But ahead of us, we have a, a presidential election that will be as polarized as we have seen. How much of a risk factor is the election? Because, I mean, like you said, we have budgetary rules that limit what a sitting government can do in election years. But still, there, there are a lot of things that Bolsonaro could do in order to desperately try to create feel-good factors and increase his re-election prospects, right? Well, uh, I think that there's something that he could do, but there's it's not much and it won't necessarily uh, have a positive net effect for him because the market would react to that and uh, depreciate uh, the currency and, and, and occasionally cause uh, more inflation, uh, and uh, what I what I still think is that the market is attributing a high probability of a pretty bad scenario uh, in the election. So uh, basically, nobody believes uh, right now that there could be a more moderate. Uh, third candidate and the, and that in October will be uh, deciding between Bolsonaro which is the what we've seen over the past uh, three and a half years and uh, Lula that we still don't know what kind of Lula will appear in this year's campaign so uh, I think markets are already discounting a, a pretty negative scenario so uh, I think there's more uh, upside than downside there in, in that case in the sense that uh, when the push comes to shove and the and the next 
president-elect will have to present coherent and, and uh, feasible uh, fiscal consolidation plan, I think chances are that market uh, will buy that at first and uh, and remove a little bit of this risk premium uh, that you mentioned. But uh, I think we are still far from the elections. Uh, we, uh, we were far before the war uh, came and now the war dominated the, the price action and we uh, we we are discussing even less uh, the elections. So there there's still time for the market to to react to the elections. That would probably uh, will start to happen perhaps after the end of this month when uh, when the candidates uh, will have to take a more serious step uh, if they want to run uh, the ministers and governors uh, that are still in. In, in in the duration of their terms have to step down. So then uh, we'll have a clear idea of how the field will look like and perhaps we'll, uh, we as Brazilians will be discussing more seriously what would be uh, the possibilities that can come out of these elections. Luciano, thanks a lot for joining us. You're welcome. Luciano Sobral is the chief economist at Neo Investimentos and also a monthly columnist for the Brazilian Report. And if you like Explaining Brazil, please drop us a five-star rating wherever you get your podcasts. It takes only a second and it will help more people find out about this show. Or you can sign up to The Brazilian Report, the journalistic engine behind this podcast. We offer a seven-day free trial, no strings attached, which gives you access to the site for a week without the need to insert any credit card details whatsoever. I'm Gustavo Ribeiro. Thanks for listening. See you next week.